0: Well, in our homilies, starting last week, all of us priests are speaking about preparing the way of the Lord in this Advent season, but that, and even begin in beginning to prepare our way, uh, we need to watch. That was last week's theme, to watch for the enemy, uh, to identify by name those sins, those things blocking us to him, our relationship with him. And we named in specific, isolation and fear, right? Two things we've all experienced. Uh, in some extent, these last few months, but for some reason, not many are calling out as evil, as being hijacked by the evil one to keep us from God and to keep us away from Him. And so, in identifying these, in addition to you know other sins we're dealing with, blockage, uh, whether they're persons or things, and with the second week of Advent already upon us, we must continue our journey, right, to prepare the way for Him. And so once we've identified those things blocking our way to Him calling them out from the darkness, we must root them out. We must repent, which is all about the readings this weekend. And what greater herald, example, and model of this than John the Baptist, a great and powerful figure in the Gospels? This is from Mark today. John the Baptist appeared in the desert proclaiming a baptism of repentance for the forgiveness of sins. And that's a direct line from Isaiah. Isaiah the great prophet, which reads, A voice cries out, In the desert prepare the way for the Lord. That's a huge line, one that John re echoes one that we have all over the gospel. But interestingly, though they were Jews, right, uh, the large population of Jews didn't focus in on this line. For some reason, the, the Pharisees, the Sadducees, the scribes, and priests, they just did not give a great emphasis. However, we know of a small community of Jews at the time of Jesus of John the Baptist called the Essenes that put great emphasis on this one line from Isaiah while others were pushing it to the side. They believed it as an imperative to prepare the way of the Lord by going out into the wilderness, as it says, to go out into the desert, the wilderness and prepare the way of the Lord. Now for us when we think of wilderness, maybe it's just me but I think of like, you know, Yosemite like a, a lush, you know, wide forest. But for the Jews, for the people of Israel, Jerusalem, wilderness meant desert. It meant a barren wasteland. Uh, In specific, it was a land just east of Jerusalem. It would take about one day's journey uh, to get there on foot, and it's all the way downhill. I think it's one of the lowest places on earth, right next to the Dead Sea. And so this community, small community of Jews, reading this, what did they do? They did it. They fled Jerusalem. They left and they went out into the wilderness and they established a little community. Basically, a little church, if you will. They even wrote their own rule. So, this community would eventually become known as the Qumran community. And if you remember, in 1956, archaeologists um, on accident discovered the Dead Sea Scrolls. Um, testaments, uh, writings as the Gospels, the Jewish Testament, that date all the way back to the first century. It was an amazing discovery. And it was from this community. They were the ones to write it all. So this is from their community rule, which which they found. They shall separate from the session of perverse men to go into the wilderness. In other words, this group of Jews is leaving Jerusalem. They are leaving the center of worship where God is said to dwell, uh, where the Messiah is said to have come by most, and they left to the wilderness. there to prepare the way of truth. As it is written, they say, in the wilderness, prepare the way of the Lord. Make straight in the desert a highway for God. So, why do I bring up all this background, this exegesis, history? Many theorize, speculate that this is where John comes from. There's a theory out there that Zechariah uh, was killed by Herod in the slaughter of the innocents, and Elizabeth, in her old age, couldn't take care of John. And so she sent him to this community to prepare the way of the Lord. John being the last of the great prophets. So, this is from Isaiah. A voice cries out, In the desert prepare the way of the Lord. Make straight in the wasteland a highway for our God. Every valley shall be filled in. Every mountain and hill shall be made low. This is what John was doing out there. This is what he was raised in. And these last two lines, filling in valleys and lowering mountains, it's very poetic. Certainly, it speaks to our heart. Uh, But it was literal back then. When a king of great importance was to come through a land, Preparations would be made months in advance. And so if there was, you know, a group of trees that were in his way that he would have to go around, they would literally level the trees before he came. If there was a ravine or a little creek bed that he couldn't cross and would have to go around, they would build a bridge. They would fill in the creek bed. And so John, this language is speaking to him. He's the fulfillment of this, right? Preparing the way for the Lord. He is filling in the valleys. He's going to those people that are dejected, That are despairing, he's going to the lowly, the outcasts, and he's telling them, be baptized. The Messiah is not just coming for the righteous. He's coming for you. Lift yourself up and prepare for him. But he's also lowering those mountains, those hills. He's calling out those those so-called righteous, the prideful. He's telling them to humble themselves lest they be caught off guard before the Messiah comes. And so just as John did back then, so, in a certain sense, he's still doing today and inviting us to do ourselves. We have the benefit on living on this side of the resurrection, right? We have the fullness of the faith. We have the church, their sacraments. But we must do the same as they did. If our valleys are low, if we're experiencing isolation, fear, despair, all these things, are we discouraged? Well, the good news is that we're lifted up. Right? Jesus, our loving Savior, the Good Shepherd, is here, and he wishes to lift us up. And if our mountains are high, right, if you haven't been to confession maybe in a while, there's sins in your presence or past that you're carrying those burdens, uh, the Lord wants to take those from you. So this is an encouragement from your priests to go to confession. Catholics are supposed to go to confession once a year. And tonight we have our parish mission. There'll be four priests, one from another diocese, if you don't want to come to us, hearing confessions the entire night. We have them every day at our parish. It's tough to admit we're unclean. It's extremely vulnerable, a lot of people are afraid of confession, totally understandable, but it's nothing more than the sacrament of the Lord's love and mercy for you, where he just wants to say, you are my beloved son, my beloved daughter, because it's always been this way, even for the community that John was a part of, they were a very unique community of Jews, so we know from things we found of them, research, that this community actually did baptisms. However, it was a daily baptism. So they would be baptized daily and they would ask God for the forgiveness of their sins. The unique thing is John stopped doing that. He was preaching a one-time baptism, the baptism of the Holy Spirit, which he was foreshadowing, which Jesus would eventually give to us as a sign of definitive change, a complete turning of our life and reordering to Christ. Look at this. This is from our Gospel today. People of the whole Judean countryside and all the inhabitants of Jerusalem. That's a very bold claim. All the people of the countryside and all of the inhabitants of Jerusalem were going out, not just like to a little suburb. They were going a day's journey through the desert, down to the Dead Sea where there's nothing living, to this offshoot of a community, and not to the community, but to John. So all were going out to him and were being baptized by him in the Jordan River as they acknowledged their sins. So they were there in droves in the water, Unquote, they acknowledged their sins. That's huge, this line. You know, for us Catholics, we've had confession for the last 2,000 years. Um, for us, hopefully we've had to go regularly. Um, it's you know kind of normal, even though it could be tough. Um, but this was not a normal thing for them. For to admit publicly, to acknowledge your sins publicly, for a, Jewish, a faithful Jewish person, was to admit that you were ritually unclean. Okay? which means you could not go into the temple, you could not offer sacrifice, you could not offer worship, and the only way you could be healed was if you went to one of the priests and they ritually cleansed you. But people weren't going to them. They were going to this guy who was eating locusts and honey, which is a, a symbolism back to the prophet Elijah and Isaiah, and they were having him wash them, him baptize them. I mean, effectively, by acknowledging their sins, They were putting themselves on the same playing field as a leper. They're equal with a leper or with a Gentile. It would blow your mind for a Jew back then. But the good news is, brothers and sisters, that we're not lepers. As I said before, by our own one-time baptisms, we are beloved sons and daughters of Jesus, of God the Father. Though it's true we are completely undeserving of his love, of his gifts, of his sacraments, For whatever mysterious, beautiful reason, he still deigns to bestow them upon us in in abundance. I've said it before, if we truly knew how much the Lord loved us, we would probably run away in fear. Uh, So he humbles himself in the Eucharist and in the confessional. Um, So brothers and sisters, I invite us to be honest with ourselves. To realize that we could very easily become unclean in this wilderness we live in, in our society today. Things can creep into our lives, whether we let them in or they come in unbeknownst to us, um, which ultimately block us from a full and fruitful relationship with Christ and his church, who wants to do so much good in our heart, who just wants to love us. We can become unreceptive to his love, mortal sin, um, by just going through routines, the guise of a suburban kind of, everything's okay, I'm fine, Uh, everything's not okay. There is a battle for our souls between good and evil. And the great news is that Christ is won. He is victorious, but we still live on this earth. And we still have a choice to give over everything to Him. How He wishes to remove those impurities in our hearts, healing our wounds and uniting us to Him evermore. So I invite you, I invite myself, uh, this Advent, to take the words of John to prepare the way of the Lord and make straight its paths.